became extremely clear in this one of these staff meetings. I mean, one of these larger churches, we have like, you know, seven, ten people, staff meetings. Uh, we were exploring a particular decision that was going to help us uh, hopefully connect with younger generations. So we brought some like, you know, three or four millennials. Uh, we had a baby boomer or two and there were a few Xers. And we realized that this meeting was just getting too big and there was like too many older people in the meeting. So we shrunk it down even more. So it's just now one boomer, three millennials and me as the solo Xer. We thought we were gonna get things done. Oh, it was rough. It was really, really rough. Because like the new school was, was saying like, if we want to engage younger people, we're gonna have to do this, this, and this. And the boomer was hearing danger, 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 right? And so we, we had a, another meeting to like fix the last meeting that we just had. And by then it felt like decisions were being made outside the room, but we were still having the meeting, which was extremely frustrating. And at one point the boomer, who is an amazing person says, we're gonna make this decision. And you could describe this decision by, by words like safe. Um, you could also use safe. And um, what's that other one? Yeah, 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 safe, 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 safe. And this drove madness into some of my millennial friends. And they said, why are we in this meeting? If you're not going to listen to us, why are we in this meeting? The decision was made, the meeting was over, and we had then the meeting after the meeting with just me and the millennials. Those are the best meetings. That's when the truth comes out. And I'll never forget one of the millennials saying, one of the, she quoted the boomer saying, when you're in charge, then you can do whatever you want to do. And the millennial said to me, she's like, we don't want to be in charge of this. We don't want to take over this. We're trying to save this. My generation is leaving. I don't know who's going to be left to lead later rather than some older folks that are not really part of my generation. We are trying to save this now. I, know I knew there was always generational tension, but this seemed even more intensified. She was saying, the boomers are, pass are trying to pass down a Cadillac. It's a Cadillac. I've lived my whole life trying to create this Cadillac. And the millennials are saying, ew. It looks like a Buick or an Oldsmobile. We're driving Teslas now. And when the boomers hear that, they say, Teslas? They're expensive. You have to charge them every day. There's a battery issue. And they're trying to talk the younger people out of what they want. And that is another generational foul. We have all this generational strife and it's intensifying. And one of the things that has really upset me about that meeting is that I'm the only person left from that meeting. The boomer retired and those three millennials have left my church staff. Two of the three of them have left ministry altogether. Barna has a stat that 79% of all pastors are over the age of 40 right now. 79% of all pastors are over the age of 40. And I can unpack some of the stats uh, tomorrow in, in the breakout, um, but 30 years ago, 67% of pastors were over the age of 40. Now it's 79%. We're trending in the wrong direction. And we have this other slide of comparing the age groups from 1992 to the, to the current time. But the one I want to highlight is 1992, we have almost 
triple the number of people who are over 65 currently serving in ministry. And we've taken it from the bottom. It's almost half the number of those who are 40 and under. We are losing our millennials and scaring off our older Zs and serving the church. I'm doing some doctorate work. If I can get nerdy for a second, just to kind of give you a little bit of generational context, there are currently seven Western generations left in the 20th and 21st century. So the greatest generation, these are people who are gonna be in their mid-90s right now and up. There's only two million left in our country. The builder generation, also called the silent generation, uh, there's about 20 million of them. The boober generation, the oldest is going to be about 76 years old. And 76 down to in, into like their almost late 50s, give or take, uh, you know about them uh, very much so. Gen X, uh, we, we were all 40 up until our late uh, mid 50s. Uh, millennials are, the oldest millennial is just now turning 40, 41. Uh, Gen Zs are in their mid 20s. And then the alpha generation um, are, are our younger souls. In a few years, uh, they're saying that there's going to be another generation that they want to call the beta generation. I doubt they're going to stick with that term, the beta generation. Are you kidding me? But we have all this generational tension. And one of the things I'm so excited to, to be around here is that it gets me out of my, my Boston Northeast corridor of thinking. So if you're thinking about generations, uh, know that I would love to connect and talk with you. I think very much like a Northeasterner. And one of the reasons I'm going to a seminary in California is that it gets me out of my little bubble up in the Northeast. Uh, so if this is connecting, please uh, know that I'd love to talk to you. But one of the things that I'm learning is that generationally, we are talking past each other. And generations, you know, we, 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 of course, they have from the beginning of time been rivaling each other. I get that. And everybody has something to lose right now. The boomers don't want to be pushed out. They, want, they don't want to, their, for, their, for their positions to be eliminated and have the rug being pulled out from underneath them. They also want the privilege of writing their own story, the, the, the last chapter of their own story. Xers are feeling that they're never going to get a chance to lead this thing. Millennials are saying like, hey, some of you are leading your churches in your early 30s and you are not even letting us make decisions right now. And Zs are looking at this saying like, why would I even want to be a part of this right now? Other sectors are empowering people much better than this. One of, the most, one of the best cultural illustrations that I have for this is the show Ted Lasso. Any Ted Lasso fans here? Yes, yes. Uh, so here's this picture of Roy Kent and, and Jamie Tart. And, and just for my own purposes, I'm adopting Roy as a Gen Xer, okay? I know this, you know, if this show was just a few years older, uh, it would be perfect. Uh, but if you know Roy's personality, he's, he doesn't smile much. But I found one of him smiling. Uh, here, here we go. Yep, there he is. I mean, that is a picture of joy right there. But Roy is an aging soccer player, and he is in search of his new identity. His, his talent and energy are declining, and the new school is taking over. And he, he is right now in an identity search. And he's realizing that he's going to have to mentor, that he's going to have to give back, that he's going to have to figure out what to do with himself. And if you saw the Christmas episode, you see like he has like these tender moments with his, his young niece. And of course, he's coaching the millennials around him. And then he has a word at the end with his, his baby boomer boss telling her, or a baby boomer billionaire boss. That's like a 4B alliteration. I get points for that. And he's telling her, don't you dare settle for fine. 
And there's just like this great moment of just this, a guy in the middle of it all interacting with all these respective generations. And I see that as part of the calling of us Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm, a, I'm on the younger side of that curve. And I relate very well to the millennials. I spent a lot of time as a youth pastor there, so I get that world a bit. And I've been educated by boomers and young builders. And one of the things that I'm realizing is that we're talking past each other and that we're expressing our values differently across generations. One story comes to mind was we were in this another just gigantic staff meeting at a really difficult time in our church. And the baby boomer was, was, was trying to unpack what was going on and he was giving us the history of the decision making and he was trying to help, help us see that there was a path forward. And he was trying to be as candid and clear as he could be. Some people had lost their jobs we had to say goodbye to some people. It was a really tense time. It was kind of like one of these, like, you know, 70 people staff meetings. And, you know, the tension felt pretty high. There was, part, there was points in that conversation in his talk. And by the way, he's classic boomer in the sense where he wears an Oxford shirt, khaki pants, and loafers. He didn't just read the playbook. He helped write the boomer playbook, okay? Like, this, he is classic boomer, and he's an outstanding person. And he was, there were certain moments in the conversation where you could feel his voice cracking. It was a tough moment. It was a really tough moment. We did our best. We got through the meeting as best as we could. We were all, we're all packing up. Nobody was talking as we were packing up. It was kind of like a somber type of exit. And I was walking out with one of my millennial friends, a really, really great guy. We didn't say a word until we really got to the parking lot. And he's like, what'd you think? I, I, I said, what, what did you think? He's like, honestly, I just wish he would be authentic with us. I wish he would be vulnerable. I wish he would be candid with us. And I wanted to say, what? Were you not in the same meeting that I was? He almost broke down crying in front of us. But I didn't want to say that at all because my millennial friend wouldn't talk to me ever again. So I said, tell me more. What were you looking for? I was looking for more emotion. He was so guarded. I, was, I, was, I wouldn't have minded if he cried. I wanted to hear it all. I wanted vulnerability, I wanted authenticity. He's like, didn't you feel that? What did you see? I'm like, that's as honest and as vulnerable as you're ever going to see a boomer like that. You see, the boomers are raised by the greatest generation, the GI generation, and there was a lot of suffering and pain and death around that generation. Everybody had problems, and that's what they told their kids. So if you have an opportunity to hold a microphone, you're not going to complain into that microphone. You're not going to cry into that microphone. You're not going to bleed in front of people. You're not going to do that at all. In fact, if you have a microphone, you're going to inspire. You're going to encourage. You're going to lead. You're going to point the path forward. Our boomer friend was actually going against his programming, his cultural programming. And so I bet you when he went home, he felt emotionally exhausted. And he probably felt that he betrayed his generational code to some extent. And my millennial, I'll never forget this, my millennial friend says, oh my gosh, that was the boomer being authentic? That was him being vulnerable? And he had to say it like three times to himself to like really get it. If you were to ask a boomer about authenticity, they would say, yes, we want authenticity. And if you ask a millennial if the boomer is being authentic, they would say, not like that. 
That's because we're expressing the same values differently across generations. My millennial friend is very free and open on social media. He's open to sharing whatever it is that is going on in his life. He's very comfortable with that. Where a boomer might say that that is oversharing, a millennial will say, I'm keeping it real. We're expressing our generational values differently and we're talking past each other. So the way forward looks like this in the, in the last few moments that we have here. One, we have to listen well. Two, we have to empower the next. And three, we have to work together. And when we say listen well, I know, I know just about every conversation begins with the importance of listening and listening well. And, and I know it's so hard for leaders to, to take the time to listen well. And I know we feel that we've heard similar things over and over and over before, but we have to listen to the specific context of the person that we are listening to. Because that's, that's when we start learning, that's when we start lis listening well. Many leaders listen in order to explain what's next. And that is becoming a cardinal sin of not listening well. One area that we have to listen much better at as those who are over the age of 40 is the changing economics for those who are millennials and Zs. And we can unpack that in the breakout a little bit more, but that is changing dramatically. No one has had to go through what millennials and Zs are going through financially right now. No one has had to go through that. That's an area where we need to listen. Second, we need to empower the next. Like really, really, really empower. Maybe many of my boomer friends were able to make decisions that really, really mattered and commit huge failures early on in their lives. And we are depriving that blessing and that opportunity from our millennial and Z friends. We need to empower them to make decisions that really, really matter and put them in roles that are going to be truly influential. And lastly, we need to work together across our generations. We have a, a diversity of spiritual gifting. We have a diversity of ethnicity. And we have a diversity of multiple generations, but we need to take advantage of these things and work together. Do you know what builders are really good at? Building. <laughs> amazing, amazing at that. Do you know what boomers are really great at? Maximizing. They were able to take their parents' businesses and turn them into corporations. We, we, we may joke about how boomers are all about making money. That's a useful skill. Okay, that is a really useful skill. They are great at maximizing. You know what millennials are great at? Advocating. If it doesn't work for my friend, it doesn't work for me. The millennials are amazing at that. They're predicting that the Zs are going to be the most innovative generation. And us Xers, friends, this is like our time. If not now, then when? Xers, we are the code switchers. We are the mediators. We're the ones who understand the complexities ahead of us and, and we're trying to learn the complexities behind us. So friends, I, I, I'm appealing to my fellow Xers to, to, to take part of this conversation. It is such an important time in the life of the church. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this time myself. And of all the places, Ted Lasso's Roy Kent has figured it out, friends, Will you and I, as part of the church, figure this moment out? Amen and amen.